0: Irresistible desserts start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a fifteen stem bunch of tulips for just nine ninety nine each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
1: Okay, Lucy, let's have a little bit of this.
2: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, no,
3: no. If you're interested in becoming a manager, why not speak to my Neil? He can tell you all you need to know about becoming a manager, as he is a manager. He can advise you on management overalls, management willies, and the right management hand scrub to use to get the pig shit out from under your fingernails, because he's a manager. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
1: This is dumby Dumb, the show about the reality doggy drama that has centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the exi- oh, I am the relaxed local cricket match that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the pedantic umpire that is... Lucy Freeman. And the <laughs> last part of Linda's takeover of Village cricket, folks, is you. Now, this week's dumby Dumb comes from Martin Williams. Now, Lucy, well, I did say yeah. this off mic, but like the listeners like didn't hear because it was off mic.
4: That was yeah. amazing.
1: Wasn't it just...
4: So can you send did, that to me as an MP3? I,
1: uh, I can send it to you in whatever file format that you so desire, Miss Freeman. Something
4: that I can play on. And it made I, I, me really I, smile. It sounded like every Saturday evening, early evening program on the BBC in the 19 sort of seventies or something. I don't know. I just loved
1: it. Well, you know what it is. It's Family Guy. It's in the style uh... of Family um, exactly so you are completely right it's that kind of yeah, sitcom really
4: upbeat yeah sort of thing. yeah it's
1: like you like you feel like you've heard it before because you kind of have because it's family guy but yeah. like it's just i must admit when i heard that loose right i uh went down a youtube rabbit hole uh watching <laughs> mr martin williams performances and uh you know Gregory Porter. Uh, yeah. the uh, jazz singer right he's played with him at the royal albert hall and this and that and that and this and and then he stands up and does his solo um halfway through this man has played with everybody with his sax and he did a dumpy dump for us it's like he has better things to be doing with his time he really does but like dude that was brilliant thank you really now, lucy thank you yeah um can i just admonish you very slightly yes noises off all the time with you like when i'm editing this you're forever dropping things right yes. now you're typing right and i have sorry. to like turn your like volume down all the time sorry. you make editing a harder job than it needs be i'm sorry and i really try and screw things up with all of the fluffs that i make do you know what i mean so- <laughs> <laughs>
4: without me adding to it exactly another layer so- of complexity okay exactly. I'm going- i'll be good it's because all i right. think of things to say and then i hurriedly put them in the script and then yeah, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, right. well, there's there's things to say, but then like you're forever dropping things. I've been meaning to say this for weeks, so just don't drop it. I'm a very don't, clumsy don't... person. Are you really? Yeah. Are you a bit dyspraxic or something?
4: Um, no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not uh. medically clumsy. I'm just clumsy. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm absent-minded.
1: <laughs> well, and I forget you know I'm what? holding
4: things and things like.
1: Mm-hmm. That. Well, absent-mindedness is one of my middle names, and I've got quite a few. Um, <laughs> what, the, dysgraphia? Did you, did you say that I had last week? I couldn't. I can't remember me, me words. Malapropism, and they just go. I've got many middle names, but anyway, folks. Uh, Lucy, we're going to really need to stretch this. I reckon. I know. This show Two hmm Good job, Yoko Bear talks for fifteen minutes. Really, because I well uh, done, Yokes. Mm-hmm. Well done. He's come to say, save the show. Uh, now, Lucy, that, that was asked. all a long-winded way of me dragging out this show. Uh, but really, at this point, I would say, Lucy, that dum de dum came from Martin Williams. If somebody else would like to send us in a dum de dum, they don't have to have a sax. They don't have to have played with Gregory Porter or at the Royal Albert Hall or with Jules Holland or any of that. They can just be at home, maybe with a toddler, maybe with their loved one, maybe with their elderly relative or parent. And maybe they just want to gather round the hearth and just like do a dumpty dum If there's such a person existed, how exactly would they do that? If you would like to sing us a dumpty dump or
4: leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge, Pro, her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts. And as always, to Derek for the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is very upset at the media furore around Boris Johnson's business loans to his friend, the pole dancer. Um, <laughs> Derek doesn't see what the problem is. He has made many donations to friends in similar situations and always offers to wipe the poll down afterwards.
1: Lucy. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was that was close close to the knuckle. If not right on <laughs> the knuckle, but, but well done you. Uh, on this week's episode folks, uh we hear from Lydia and Witherspoon. What how For hours yes. and hours, hours and, and hours. Y- mhm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've got a people whole... might like a
4: short one every now and again you never know <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's what i say to all, all the women that i date <laughs> boom boom uh but first before innuendo <sighs> about my height or or, or lack of uh, whatever uh it's uh, our lucy v freeman and a week in average
4: We began the week in the kitchens at Gay Grable's. Ian was shouting away merrily at jewels and yaws, and was horrified to discover that his new kitchen porter was going to be one Freddie Parcheter. Oh, Ian, one kitchen porter's not going to bring Gay Grable's crashing to the ground, said Adam. Adam, have you met Freddie? Oliver and his team of benign incompetence <laughs> had actually got the point of signing the contract for Ian's temporary replacement before telling him who it was. Phew! Huge erection from Lower Locksley. Ian went completely berserk and gathered his whole team or crew or squad or whatever chefs call it and shouted at them all again. Oh, how they're going to miss him. They'll think they've gone bloody deaf. Anyway, Freddie got the job on the condition that he keeps his nose clean and doesn't let any of it fall in the scone mix or gay Grables <laughs> will <which laughs> be full of hyperactive <laughs> pensioners running around telling everyone they're in the CIA. We spent a happy afternoon with David in a field who stared at a cow while she gave birth. He just doesn't care, David, does he? Someone had better put a lock on the door of Felpersham General Maternity Unit or we'll be pulling up a deck chair in front of Lexi and having a good old squiz right above a Off we whizzed (laughs) then to the cricket. And surprise, surprise, Linda is now better at cricket than everyone else in the world and saved the match by videoing it, which worked better for her than it did for Titchy Nob. And now she's going to be an umpire. Of course Mm. she is. The one thing you can say about The Archers is that it doesn't give you unexpected conversational openers for dinner parties or networking events. For example, Mm. I see there's a lot of consolidation in abattoirs at the moment. Justin (laughs) went to look at one and decided to turn it into an office. He's leaving the hooks as they're handy for paperwork and to hang your jacket on. He's mad. He's going to want to work in an ex-abattoir. Anyway, Tony found the only organically certified abattoir in the locale. He would. Basically... (laughs) They talk to the animals and ask them how they feel about being turned into a chop. And then if the animal (laughs) feels that it's making the decision in its own time and it hasn't had its personal space invaded in any way, then they hope it will book a one-way ticket to Dignitas. Over at (laughs) Borchester Land, they were harvesting the quinoa. It's tricky harvesting quinoa as you have to keep it cool. And you can only harvest it if you're wearing Birkenstocks and you have to filter it through beetroot (laughs) coulis. Brian took the startling decision to juggle it, which I'm sure was not recommended. But you know, Brian, Adam got extremely cross about everything. But the quinoa disaster did allow him to use his special voice. Brian, it was above the mycotoxin level. (laughs) <laughs> Talking about them. he and Ian seem to have had their first actual proper discussion about how they're going to be parents, imminently. Really, really imminently. They both accuse the other of not sounding all that enthusiastic. Guys, it's a baby, not a trip to the theatre that you booked months ago and now you're wondering how bad it would be if you just sacked it off and watched a box set of Dr. Martin instead. Anyway, then Pip came round to give them the benefit of her child-rearing wisdom. Oh, are you getting a baby? I had one. Did I bring it? (laughs) No, it must be my other bag. I mean, they're really good in the beginning, but I got bored of it really quickly. Thank you, Gina Ford. Eddie confided in Brian, which probably wasn't ideal, as it means that he now knows that the local gamekeeper is wandering around with homicidal tendencies, a toddler and a loaded gun. My admiration for Peggy's relationship with Kate is growing steadily. This week, she took the jaw-dropping move of cock-blocking her own granddaughter. Kate's revenge took the form of hiring Orville the Duck to look after Piggy. Kate came back bow-legged from Yakult's and took great glee in hearing about it all as she wandered round the sitting room like John Wayne. Edge sold... His Rama Lama Ding dong for not enough money at market. <laughs> Honestly, not content with getting off lightly by calling his sheep Pepper Pig. He then calls its offspring son of Pepper Pig. What a pillock. David was caught making admiring <laughs> noises about Son of Pepper's back end until someone moved him on. He's got to watch himself, that man, or he'll end up on some sort of register. In another Oh my goodness, I don't believe it passed the biscuits plot twist. Lily is not going back to university. I'd completely lost interest anyway and couldn't remember if she was still selling kitchens, helping Russ fill the gallery with installations called Bonality, or was back in Manchester studying for her degree in pronunciation of consonants. <laughs> oh, I hope I won't get on your nerves, said Lily to Elizabeth. Oh, don't worry about the listeners then. We'll just have to lump it, I expect. Talking of lumps, those scrap cakes sound frankly appalling. Leonard was struggling with the range, and David is not an ideal sous-chef, to be frank. He eyed the range doubtfully. Um, that's the really hot cupboard, isn't it? He said. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm not really sure how it works. All I see is a lot of flour and then dinner. He described his <laughs> cakes as smelling piggy, which, <laughs> which is personally not what I like my cakes to smell of. But then I'm not someone who's quite as um, intimate with animals as David. Horses for courses courses for main courses possibly and the nicest storyline of the week was the totally unbelievable but rather lovely relationship between tracy and oliver he took Mm -hmm. her to one of those novelty hotel things that cater for people that genuinely wish life was more like a sitcom men called trevor guffaw themselves into sweating cardiac arrest as self-hating rada graduates pretend to be waiters and set fire to things and in the midst of it a slightly emotionally battered old man and a bloodied but unbowed tart with a heart make each other laugh. Tracy Horrobin Sterling take a bow. The end.
1: Oh, that was quite <laughs> sweet. Well done. Well done. Well, I it enjoyed is that 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 sweet that storyline, and I did quite like it. Hmm. Me too. Do I you not? I want them. I do. I like. I will have always been a big fan of Oliver. Yeah. And who isn't a fan of Tracy? So you put yeah. the two of them together and they are like yin and yang, they're like chalk and cheese, but I think the script writers of the archers have been on somewhat of a somewhat of a, a golden run in terms of putting together characters that shouldn't really get on and creating, you know, some kind of alchemy, so some kind of gold. Say like Jim and Jazza, you know, is the classic kind of example. This does in that way feel a little bit similar, but you know, but with potential, potential romance. Though mm. we know that they like to throw us the odd curveball and to trick us. But I yeah. think it would be nice for her to have a little bit of romance. And it'd be nice. But even if
4: it's not romance, just the fact that they're friendship. Friends in like yeah, friendship. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like Jazza and, and Jimmus are, like, you know, unlikely um. Friends and they're they're mm-hmm. sort of critical friends and that they don't always understand or approve of what the hell the other one's doing. Um that kind of tends to go more one way than the other, but you know, it's still nice and it's lovely to listen to it, and that contrast is is great. And and um Tracy does genuinely have the the best interests of gay Grables at heart. She, she does. doesn't do things for um I know I said last week that she'd do anything for a lunch, but you know. Afterwards, if there is a reward going, she's obviously happy to take it because what well, you know, why wouldn't you? But um, she genuinely has, and she you know, she said to Linda, "I have lots of ideas. Some of them are good." <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 just nice that she is genuinely enthusiastic. And if she's doing something, she wants it to work. She wants she mm. wants to do the cricket. She wants them to win. She's doing working for the game. She wants it to be really successful, and that's mm. really sort of uh, I don't know, just cheering and attractive to hear. I think.
1: Do you think we? like an epitome of that as well. Because you is a bit posh and you is clever and you are articulate and you're all like thrusting. And I'm Thrusting.
4: Not, like, you know I think on like... the thrusting front that's more you than me.
1: <laughs> There's been
4: <laughs> very little thrusting going on at this end, I have to well, say. Well I
1: what I meant was
4: <laughs> I am a thrusting but... drought, mate.
1: <laughs> well, I thought well, what I was referring to was like with your with your like PR career and your comedy writing, you know, you're out there and you're like you're doing stuff and and with, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Are I you saying you're in, Tracy Horobin? Uh, well, I'm more Tracy than you are. I'm not saying I am Tracy. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just I'm just trying to look at the, the odd couple. You know, it's fundamentally we're talking about an odd couple. And yeah, I'm well, just that's saying, always
4: the dynamic that works, isn't it? Is it? Well, yeah, in comedy, that's that's what works.
1: Hmm. Don't I, I don't know. Well, we're not talking about comedy per se. We're talking about this in terms of a, a dramatic construct of which we're supposed to believe that the, the two people are friends because fundamentally uh, in most friendships, it's what you see is some kind of similarity, isn't it? As opposed mm. to this person is not at all like me. Oh, I, I like them. It just seems to work on the archers. That's all I'm saying. Mm. And then I was yeah. just kind of just throwing this out into our relationship because you're successful and then I'm me, right, type of oh. thing. So, no, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'll be <sighs> an odd couple too. Stop your huffing and puffing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> God, I've been told I can't drop things. I can't huff and puff. I can't. can't do anything. Mm. Oliver has got i was thinking about the class difference between Oliver and Tracy earlier mm. and whether or not I still thought that he would he would deal with that or not, but actually Oliver has always, he's even less snobby than Caroline in oh, of course he would he's called the Grundies Clary and Eddie, and they've called him Oliver for yonks you mm. know he doesn't he doesn't do that kind of um, you know Jennifer Aldridge likes to be Jennifer Aldridge, and and actually said, and I can, ne- I will never, as long as I live, get over this. When she said to Kirsty, she shouldn't talk like that to her elders. And yes, I'm going to say it, betters. I've just never forgotten that. It's the most mm. astonishing. Ugh! It makes my stomach go into a knot. Um, but yeah, he's never been like that. And so of all the people, it is of all. The sort of upper middles in Ambridge, it would make more sense for, it would make most sense for Oliver to, to override class distinction and, and um, just have a good time with Tracy, you know, than anyone else, really.
1: Talking about class distinctions, when was the last time you went to the opera? Oh, blimey years. Do you um, like it?
4: Uh, some, yeah.
1: Hmm.
4: I mean Andrew Horn really really knows his stuff and he goes all the time and he knows all the obscure things like you know Lucia di Lammermoor and all that and I sat through that once and I felt like pulling my own head off after about 10 minutes but um you know I like the I like the I like the you know you like the setting the you ones. like the
1: whole wrapping that it comes with like dressing up and and all of no,
4: that No 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 I don't like that No you
1: don't like that all right no. Here's a question for you because I went to see Romeo and Juliet San Francisco Opera House uh, yeah. last week is it normal in a british in a british uh opera an opera performed in britain sorry uh to have subtitles in english
4: uh the english national opera does mm-hmm. um they have subtitles so you can figure out what the hell's going on uh the royal opera house you you just expected to to know uh you know to uh you to will, muddle you, a lot you know well, basically they're just assuming you know it so well that of course you don't need subtitles you know Mm. Which is well, ridiculous and really exclusive and really off-putting
1: Well because
4: no one knows what the bloody hell is going on. Well,
1: yes. And I saw Romeo and Juliet, right? And to which everybody knows the basic story. But when some dude comes on, you know, stage left and is singing, was actually in French, wasn't in Italian. I'm like, well, who the heck actually is this? Though, mm. of course, you know, the basic gist, but it, it really got me thinking about pretension, watching yeah. that and it had to be said that i'm only really mentioning this because there were the subtitles i think this is just an american thing hence i'm asking the question because i've never seen the opera in the uk but if i sit down and watch a foreign language film polish ukrainian yeah, yeah. whatever tibetan without the subtitles and then at the end of it i stand up and go bravo yeah. how pretentious would that be <laughs> And it occurred to me that I... But
4: the thing is, you've got to remember, though, in opera, basically, Mm. you've got Mm. some chap comes out Mm -hmm. and the thrust of the song is, I've lost my coat. And he just says, (laughs) I've lost my coat. My coat is lost. Where is my coat? Someone help me find my coat. I can't find my coat. Where is my coat? You know, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So basically, most of the opera could be just condensed into about 10 sentences.
1: Well, considering this thing went out, went on for two and Days. three quarters of it, <laughs> yeah, but <for laughs> two hours forty five like minutes, right? <laughs> I, I really did walk out going, hmm, right? Yeah, there is no way that this art form could be invented today because it is, it does feel somewhat forced and it does feel somewhat stilted. And and you put it next to, you know, modern musicals where, you know, lights are going off and people are dancing and kicking up their legs, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And visually there's just more going on. Mm-hmm. But I really had to like drill down deep and say, which bits out of this did I truly understand and appreciate? There was the staging, there was the lighting. It was beautiful. What about staged. the singing? Well, I'm coming on to that.
4: Okay.
1: I'm coming on to that staging lighting costume right even though it was very flat and i don't mean that in terms of um, flat in terms of delivery just the way that it was kind of lit but they did beautiful things like they had this like gauze and then they had people going behind it which created uh a, an illusion of depth and mm. and then took you away from seeing the exact uh you know relief of you saw the relief of people there was it, there was some beautifully clever bits I actually thought Juliet was was quite shrill. I am no expert with opera, but it seemed to me like she was just going up and down the scales all the time. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a lot of that, right? And I never felt any real emotion. I hmm. never felt at all yeah. connected. And then. As somebody who, uh, you know, has got a little bit of a little bit of chub around my waist now, and of which I'm going on a strict diet, everybody, um, I'm going on a star-basing diet and an exercise regime so I can be fit, healthy and, and hale for Dumpty Dum Live on November the 9th. Romeo was a misshapen, not live, <laughs> 14-year-old. He's just like, oh, that's Romeo. Like, <laughs> he wasn't...
4: Uh, he just, Is that oh. Father Christmas? No, it's Romeo.
1: <laughs> Seriously, he was, you know, he wasn't as well, old as Father Christmas. that's always what's so
4: hilarious when you have, the, you know, Carmen played mm. by a uh, a 50-year-old blonde German woman, you know, stamping up and down the stage. It's,
1: yes. So, so you didn't believe them as these teenage lovers. Physically, you just didn't believe them. And he was a stand-in, and so you got when you got the program. There's a bit of paper that says, "Oh, the regular Romeo had to leave the production for personal reasons." So we've got this dude from uh, from New Zealand. So it's this Maori chap that turned up, and his voice wasn't that powerful. Don't get me wrong; you, you could hear him, but she Rome, uh, Juliet was uh, considerably decibels louder. Well. And then you're in San Francisco, which is the capital of um, casual dressing. Mm. So it was really quite marked in terms of the amount of people that that had really dressed up. So Mm. I'd maybe a quarter to a third. Right. And... And it's the whole thing, isn't it? It's the You have to sign up to the whole thing. You have to say, I'm going to get dressed up because this is special. This is special. The singing in this foreign language, which I don't understand because <laughs> this is high art. This is special. Yes. And you will yourself along with everything that you don't really understand. And you say, this person's singing a bit shit. But no, it's special. It's the opera. It's, yeah. a, it's a once a I'm year. I'm wearing da, da, da. shoes
4: that hurt, therefore yes. I must enjoy it. I yes,
1: ha- I have spent $130 on this. You know, a special <laughs> amount of money's flown out of my wallet. <laughs> and when you break it all down, I don't know how much I really enjoyed the singing on stage. There were some right. bits which I thought were good, but uh, but you have to wrap everything up with the experience. The fact that the water costs ten dollars, you know, and you go okay because it's the opera house, you yeah. know, and yeah. those and the volunteer like tellers who are all elderly, they're just, they're so wonderful and they're smiling and, look, and that made for the whole thing. But I didn't really enjoy the actual singing. I just thought, oh. Mm. But I enjoyed the costumes, the lighting, the this, the that, and mm, and at the end.
4: So you think um, if Oliver and Tracy went to the opera, it would be, Tra- you'd be I, Tracy? I would.
1: I would love. I would love to hear Tracy deconstruct it. Yeah, I really would. And 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 Oliver tell her, "Well, this is Puccini, and it's this, and mm. it's that, and da, da 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 da." And Tracy will say, "Yeah, but they just stood there, and they didn't yeah. really do much, did they?" which is just revealing a massive truth. In the world that we have now with special effects this and that and whatever and blah, 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 and whatever, it is very hard to train yourself just to watch two people just stood there belting out things from the top of their lungs and going up and down scales in a language you don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I've paid best part of $300 (laughs) for two tickets for this, and I don't know if I'm enjoying myself. Right, you know. But anyway, and then at the end, I tell you what's interesting. So the death scene... There were some sniggers because as soon as you know Romeo wanders in and sees you mm. know supposedly dead Juliet and he and he's going oh my god she's dead she's so beautiful oh she's so cold to touch I I know all this because I'm reading the English right because I know that
2: yeah Ellie's
1: saying and then the, then he takes his poison then he drops down and the second she goes oh I am awake I am awake <laughs> now <laughs> <laughs> and there were some sniggers he like oh god. <laughs> <Lord." laughs> <laughs> you know, come on director <laughs> yeah it's gonna be handled a little bit better and stuff but at the end when like a third of that audience a quarter to a third go bravo bravo and I went you know what in what other art form give give our praise in a foreign language and it's mm. the height of pretension don't get me wrong they these people can sing the orchestra were great really enjoyed that um didn't think it, was, it wasn't quite loud enough for me but I did say to myself, is this just because I am what I grew up not appreciating the source material? Mm. You know, I, I never even did Romeo and Juliet at school. Right. And I, and right. I walked out with, with a, with a C in English, but we somehow managed to escape it. So, or oh, is this just, it is just a little bit shitty and you can say it as long as you can deconstruct it and work out which elements work and which elements mm. didn't. But, I want Oliver and our trace to go on a kind of uh, literary creative journey. And she says, here's a Marvel movie. Watch that, Oliver. You know, and yeah. he goes, well, I-, I don't quite understand what's going on here, but I, I like the uh, mythological um, metaphors because they've got Thor in it and whatever and da-da-da-da. And then they go, I think that'd be a lot of fun because what we've had is we've had the intellectual – battle of um, of Naus between Linda and Jimus, haven't we yeah and every now and then Linda you know tries to actually you know what I was just about to say we don't have this at all on the arches we do because we've had Linda and Tracy on reception haven't we Mm. there is a certain amount of lifting the veil on on art and literature which they, they hmm I've just talked for about fifteen minutes about something which is already happened. <laughs> I <saying> <laughs> for it to happen.
4: Can, <laughs> anyway, I've got a secret. Can I tell you my go secret?
1: On. Tell me a secret.
4: I've had to. I had to keep it secret, and it's very hard because I'm not good at secrets. But
1: oh, contraire, Lucy!
4: You know the catering story. You know the the kitchen porter storyline. Yes. And Freddie saving Ian's bacon, haha! By mm-hmm. getting the scones out
1: of yes. the freezer. Mm-hmm.
4: Guess who was the catering consultant for that
1: scene? Lucy B. Freeman.
4: No, Charlotte Freeman, my sister. Really? Yep. Kerry got wow. in touch with me and said, "Would you mind if I spoke to your sister? Because I just want to check that that would work. That you'd get scones out the like night." Blah, 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 blah. And I, of course, immediately texted her and said, You have to tell me about the stuff. I promise you I won't tell me. And she said, No way. So we've, we've had this slightly aggressive battle for the last month with me going, Just tell me what it is. And she's going, No. So uh, I listened to the omnibus and then she messaged me and said, Happy now? Because now I know it
1: was. But I love the fact that
4: my sister is now the catering consultant on The (laughs) Archers. Is
1: this going to be a a regular gig? I don't know. Like, well, I suppose a flower and produce show that she like comes into her own in the baked goods section. Uh,
4: Yes, the Um, flat. Yes, Charlotte was actually asked to judge a uh, cake show, the cake section of a flower and produce show.
1: Goodness. So I don't know if she's a, done it yet. She got a in five days there then. She has. Wowza. Yep. Yep. Look at you, Freeman. Look at your family. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> moving, moving swiftly on. Yes. Um, right. So, because we're in fill mode this week. Right. Linda's Cricket We don't have enthusiasm. to be. Can't
4: we? We could just do a short one. Can we?
1: Yeah, but the thing is, though, people feel that they need to get their money's worth. There's There's people's commutes they get timed with an inch of their commute because of the length of dum-de-dum. Okay. Mm. So you can't give them 30 minutes because then, trust me, you they'll don't get, get off the, the emails get too early much. and they'll
4: say, where the hell am I? <laughs> this is Milton Keynes. I'm not supposed to all be the,
1: off here. Yeah, well, I suppose what they could do, just replay the thing again, couldn't they?
4: Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe by the we way, we had an on, email then. from oh, all right, Silver Girl who uh-huh. said... For anyone who's thinking about coming on the 9th of November from the London area, train mm. tickets are pretty cheap at the moment. I have just booked mine for less than seven quid each way. Now, uh, that is unbelievably good value for train tickets because they are so blooming expensive, which is insane. But anyway, because they're mostly rubbish service. But anyway, um, so if you are coming to, uh, if you are contemplating uh, coming to Birmingham on to see. Me and uh lovely Royf and Angela Barnes and Susie Riddell, then come and see us. Uh, yeah, so, so yes, come and see us, obviously. And so, <laughs> book a tickets for that, and also book your train tickets now, book them in advance, and then they're cheapy, cheapy, cheapy.
1: Mm. Well, don't do cheapish. what I always do, which is just get them the day before and then wonder why and then go train tickets out. Tickets go, yeah, they're like 50 60 yeah. quid because I'm an idiot yeah. like that. Uh, just whilst we we're on the topic of November the 9th, folks, yes. uh, there are tickets, folks, tickets not only for dumb Deedum Live, but also for dinner at the Picture and Piano, uh, which is happening at approximately 5 o'clock. Uh, and then we've got a couple of hours in there. Now, how it's going to work is normally, uh, well, I'll say normally, uh, last year when we did this, there was a, a buffet menu, none of that uh you just uh you go onto com. uh the 5 quid is just to reserve your place because they're holding a whole area of the picture and piano for us uh but then you just go on there and uh, go to dumjum.com and then you can actually see the menu so the, you'll you'll have full range of the pmp's normal uh, menu and then afterwards it's a tenner to go to the gin bolts now somebody did send me an email or a tweet or something or another and said, "Dude, uh, why are we paying a tenner? It's because you get a complimentary G and T, which is a scruff gin gin and tonic on entry. It's not
4: complimentary, then, is it?
1: If you just well, pay yeah, ten okay. for it? All right, you know what I mean. Sorry, right. but okay. like you pay up front for it, right? right? So you it get, feels you complimentary.
4: Get, yeah, so it when feels you get
1: complimentary, it. but you've actually paid for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um,
4: that's the kind of economics that." <laughs> This country runs on.
1: Well, hmm. don't start me on that, Lucy, because Mm. to say I am despairing of uh, the country of my uh, birth is putting it mildly. So don't start me off down. At least you're
4: not here, mate. I tell you what, it's a lot worse when you're in the middle of it.
1: Lucy, (sighs) right, whenever Mm. I open my mouth and I'm in a crowded place, if somebody turns to me, invariably they'll look at me and go, you English? And I go, yeah. They go, what the hell's happening? Seriously, Lizzie, it happens three times <laughs> yeah. a week. Strangers yeah. just feel that they can basically mock and ridicule, right? Yeah. And then, and they go, but he's like as bad as Trump. Like, haven't you learned, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I
4: like, well, do, this week on Friday, mm-hmm. do you know, um, you know, Michelle Laferte, who's number one, the Green, on
1: yes, mm-hmm.
4: uh, yeah, well, she and her other half stayed here on Friday night. Because mm-hmm. they are doing a uh, tour of the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, we were having dinner, and she said, "It's really weird." She said, "Because we, when we first got Trump, we used to think, we used to feel envious of of, of you lot, of the mm-hmm. English, and then you got Brexit, and we thought, okay, that kind of evens things up a little bit. You're going, for, you're you're sort of having a, a little sample of the madness." She said, but now you've got Brexit and Boris. (laughs) And she said, I think we're about quits now. She said, I can't tell who's ahead. (laughs) So, yes, it's just awful, Mm. really. But we've all just sat there with our sort of our heads in our hands, just thinking, Mm. oh, my God, you know, when you think about across both sort of uh, both countries, what's happening.
1: Unbelievable. If, If another American says to me when they're about to leave, I'm just going to Brexit now. I'm going to slap somebody. (laughs) I really am. It's like, oh, I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) Come on. I tell you, Luce, the whole world is mocking us. The whole world. As they are mocking David Archer and his uh, brown leather jacket. But you know what? You know what we should do, Lucy? Is have a little bit of this first.
3: Hello, average three
1: nine six two. Now, remember, we had um, last week. We had a, a, a listener who was somewhat harumphed, upset, pissed off, narked that I hadn't played her call. Yes. All right. Well, she's back. Right. I, I think <laughs> all might be forgiven, but she's back, and she would like to talk about David and his leather jacket. It's our Lydia.
3: Hello all, all Roy Field, all's forgiven. Thanks for playing, Michael. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, of course, you guys have got a lot on, a lot to remember each week. And I know that the week I sent in the Tabard recording, it was a bit of a an odd one in terms of your usual structure. So no worries, as they say down under. Yeah, so I've been thinking about David's jacket, his leather jacket. I have a picture of what it might look like. Almost certainly 1980s or early 90s, possibly various mottled shades of brown. Unless it's black, do we know whether it's black? I think they might have mentioned it. Possibly different textures and fabrics thrown in there in a kind of glorious patchwork style. There would be shoulder pads, a small collar, a generally oversized with an elastic waistband. And it's interesting that this is generally seen by all as being a bad fashion statement when it's Mm. perfectly acceptable for Fallon and others to wear vintage styles. Vintage is quite a complex and enigmatic term anyway, but there's obviously something about this jacket that does not scream cool reinterpretation of an older style. It looks as though it might be more about David himself and his use of an old piece of clothing as a way of denying his approaching birthday. Is Pip's piss-taking therefore reflective of innate ageism in society? It's Mm. okay for the likes of Fallon to have fun with 80s fashion, which is now making a resurgence, but not David, who was her age during that decade. Who knows? Maybe I'm reading more into this, but I did think all the stick he got for it was quite interesting. A bit of a shame, really. But I just, yeah, I'd love to see the jacket, although I've got my own visions of what it might look like and they're not flattering.
1: Oh, poor David. Yeah. Thanks, oh. guys. <laughs> Ta-ra. Um, <laughs> where do you stand on vintage? It's, it's big over here, you know. It's spe- I always specifically think of San Francisco.
4: Of, I always think of, of vintage as... Either 1940s and or 1950s or 1970s. I can't believe that the 80s is vintage because to me that feels like about a fortnight ago last Wednesday. So <laughs> I, I hate it when people describe that as vintage because I'm like, what? That's That was just, that's, you know, that was like last season. What are you on about? Mm. Um, so, yes, in my head, it is firmly those rather nice sort of floral dresses with the waists, wasted floral dresses and matte red lipstick and, you know, mm. Curled over wartime hairdos, mm. uh, or floaty demi wave or something, shite. yeah, yeah, or floaty 70s stuff. But mm. you know, not brown leather jackets. I don't, I know, I know that's completely wrong because that is vintage. But I sort of imagine that jacket as like the one that Mags used to wear in Aha, <laughs> David's jacket.
1: Mm. Well, I yeah. think that what that there's a couple of things and, and you put your finger on the, the very obvious one is that if you lived through it it doesn't feel vintage
4: <laughs> no exactly you know, if, if
1: you, you know if you've lived through it it's you a bit like well I still have some of those in my wardrobe you know yes, hidden away somewhere actually so, yes. so there so there is that and then I think also though you can make this argument for, for other decades and stuff I think specifically the 80s because there's a lot of deconstructed clo- clothes, you know, things that were boxy and big, right? And the silhouette of the moment is so different; they look shit, right? There is that. There, but there is a, yeah. a you know an aesthetic reason why. So Ella, she came over. She came over to uh, two months ago with with Maisha. Ella was like, "Dad, I have a new aesthetic, and like, I just need to go thrift shopping." And so, and we went to Hate ashbury and she was like a pig in muck. And she went to all <laughs> of the places with 80s. That was the vintage that she understood as being vintage. Really? And thought was cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas I go 60s. Like, I have, mm. I don't know, 10. So, is it
4: just your parents' decade then?
1: You know what? It, it could well be. It could well be. But I, I, I think... There is, maybe it's a 30-year lag. I don't I don't know. I need I need to sit down and think about it. But what I love are the late 50s for men's in terms of tailoring and suits through to the mid-60s. And then like 66, 67, lapels get wider, and then by the early 70s, you've got bell bottom trousers, and I've forgotten no part of that and whatever, right? Mm. But <laughs> For me, it's a a silhouette, which I find really appealing. And then the problem is with with vintage is even though the cut might be really what you like, the fabrics aren't necessarily breathable fabrics. So you can sweat a bucket in like a, you know, some weird knitted like T-shirt. That
4: explains why Camden stinks. (laughs) You know, it what, is. Please. It's polly
1: cotton on the everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you'll go and get, it and you look at this thing that looks great, and you will look like I don't know, this, the the small face is circa nineteen sixty five or or whatever. You go, oh, it looks great. Look at this collar Look at the look at the, the the trim on it. But Jesus Christ, you just sweat a fucking bucket because I can't. you know. <laughs>
4: I bend the arms and I stink <laughs> what I'm doing.
1: But, and then there is there is another thing as well, which I think um, Lydia does touch on, is that it's all right for Fallon to be in vintage mm. because there is... The, the the female palette in terms of clothes and wardrobe is always much more wider than the male one because, you, you know... You oh, can I wear- don't
4: think it's that. Mm. I think it's you have to be far enough away from it... For it to be obviously ironic, well, that, if you're too I close was, to it, if I it's something gonna, you actually mm. used to wear yourself, it's not vintage. You're just wearing your old clothes. But it's got to be someone else's clothes. I,
1: I I agree. I agree. But I think there is another element to this, and maybe I'm slightly too fixated on this because specifically I love sixties clothes which with skinny jeans in a way that silhouette has come back. It's not exactly the same silhouette because no one's wearing skinny, skinny jeans in the 1960s, but in terms of a tapered straight leg look, right, there's not much going on down there. Not, not no, no kind of floatiness in the whole kind of trouser department stuff is that the older you get, it's harder for some fashions to suit your body shape. Now, That argument is counter to the 1980s and the kind of deconstructed look. But yes, I then agree with your point that if you go through something, it's kind of harder. But I think it's easier for women because women, it is more acceptable for women to make more of an effort with dress, you know, makeup, hair, blah, 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 blah. Whereas David putting on something from the 1980s will look Odd and weird, like he's trying too hard. It's like with him running, jogging, he's trying too hard, which is a slightly another argument, but it's a case of decline gracefully with your years type of thing. Whereas with, with women, there, it's still acceptable for a woman of a certain age to overtly dress up. So yeah. I think there is a double there's completely is a, a double standard. Whereas David has never professed to be into clothes, in into his image, and all of a sudden he puts something on which actually a teenager of today would go, That's pretty rad and cool. Cause the things that Ella was picking out, I go, really? And she says, Dad, you just don't understand. And she's right. Dad does not understand. <laughs> <laughs> she's completely that right. That is the
4: point. If Dad understood. She would put it back on the rack again and exactly.
1: not Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, but yes, um, Lydia, wonderful call. Thank you for that. And that is the reason why we say, Lucy, that our listeners, when they become first-time caller in a resume, need to, like, give us their credentials because then they can do a whole yeah. treatise on an arcane plot point on the archers and then force us to fill for another 15 minutes we love all of that now uh from lydia in perth now is the upper lower east side and it's our witherspoon hey baby i hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs
2: mercy Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty numbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. It's Wednesday night, and I'm taking a break from packing for a handsome husband and my anniversary trip to Italy commencing tomorrow, so you won't hear too much from me over the next couple of weeks. By the way, Angus will be having his own holiday with friends of ours in Connecticut. So just a few odds and sods for now. First, I must take Royfield to task. A Uh fortnight ago, I believe, he made reference to the plummeting pound and noted that it would be good for British contributors to the program because we're charged in dollars. Au contraire. Brits will be paying more as a result, but it really is just pennies we're talking about. So do make a donation. Now, I must agree with Royfield about how good the new Elton John biopic is and thank him for taking us out with some Elton the other week. I think that Elton was probably bigger in America than he was in Britain in the 70s. In fact, I'd say he was the number one pop star here. My very first concert when I was 17, I know I was a late bloomer, was Elton John with special guest star Kiki D at Madison Square Garden. I'll never forget his performance of Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding. Brilliant. And how much my ears were ringing when I left the concert. That brings me back to a final thumbs down for Royfield. I know oh, you from your comments that it's not bad if you have to pack up your life at 60 when you added some anecdotes about your parents. But really, Royfield, I'm about to turn 61 and I feel decidedly middle aged. And I would have been very upset if I didn't make it to 60 last year. And by the way, most of my 60 year old friends who have kids just now are having infant or toddler grandkids. So, David Archer, if you want to act all juvenile again, but only for a while, you'll have my full support. Ciao for now. <laughs> Ci sentiamo presto. <laughs> oh,
4: I love the fact that when Witherspoon mm-hmm. has got a lot to say, his introductions get faster and faster and faster. Greetings, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> because he's
1: trying not to run out
4: of the two minutes. Have a lovely, lovely, lovely time in Italy. Mm.
1: Both of you. It be lovely. I think I don't know if me piace a bit of Italy. I tell you, I do love Italy. Uh, Lucy, something's just come through on the twitters. They're breaking Twitter yes. news. FP yeah. of the Great Forest of Surrey. Yeah, Royfield. If you are grouting, then you are the glitter grouting in my world and bring a sparkle to every episode of Dumpy Dum. And oh. then there's a lovely picture there of Hemingway glitter grout powder and um, it all ah. it doesn't all make, you know what, it overshines the ceramic tiles, just saying Lucy. This Does is it. grout. This is grout I can get behind and believe in.
4: <laughs> so is that made up for the constant, <laughs> the near constant criticism you got from the spoon and his school?
1: Well, oh my god! And okay, were
4: you feeling were you feeling a bit dejected? So well, you yes.
1: Though uh, so I did very clearly say. Halfway through after saying that that means it's cheap, I went, uh oh, I think this goes the other way around. I did do a course correction and say, I'm not quite sure, but actually, I think it goes the other way around. But he's right. We are talking pennies. And then with the whole 60s thing, all at the point I was trying to make. And you know what? I obviously say things very inelegantly because you don't lose it. Have you, no, I mean, you ever noticed that no one ever gives it to you in the neck? Ever. It's always <laughs> I've got a bone to pick and it been royfield. It's always me. Always me. And half the time I go, did they actually really listen to what I said? Right. And then and you go, but that's not what I said. Right. But anyway, <laughs> I very clearly said, right, what age can you get to? And then, then basically you have lived a life. That's not to say that your life is over. And it was to understand David's angst. That's all. All Right. And the point I was making is that from 60 on, if, you know, you shuffled off this mortal coil, of which at 60, that's still a young age, you've lived a life of sorts. That was my point. Nobody. You can be fit, hell hearty at 60 and be doing all sorts. And that's the reason why I brought up my folks. But then also just to compare and contrast with the with how our attitudes to ageing have changed in our lifetimes and how people are just fitter for longer. Yeah. But why is it that people always have a go at me, Lucy? My ego is fragile enough. I can't take this. <laughs> I, I've i created a podcast just so people can throw bloody, bloody stones at me. Everywhere. Roy Royfield this, Royfield that. Marking Elvis. Why do I put myself
4: <laughs> through it? <laughs> really? Can everybody please send Royfield nice messages next week? Otherwise, he'll cry and sulk, and it'll be a nightmare. So, well, at this rate, I won't Thank be showing you.
1: up to to Dum Live on. Uh, <laughs> November the ninth, tickets are available <laughs> at twelve pounds from the Birmingham <laughs> Town Hall website. You can go to dumdydum dot on the homepage. Just click the link and but I won't be the, I won't be turning up, loose. There are going to be people no. with placards saying, "Here's another yeah. thing, Roy Field."
4: <laughs> Greta anyway. Thunberg will be marching up and down outside, saying, oh. "Roy Field is entirely responsible for climate change." Yeah. Git.
1: Exactly, all the hot air that I breathe. Anyway, loose. <laughs> uh, do we have any more emails? Uh, no. All right then. Good. All right. Uh, It's that weird time, folks, where some bills get paid from certain territories around the world. Invariably, it's ones where English is the primary language, I believe. So if you're in England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Ireland, Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, you might hear an ad. If you're somewhere else like Sri Lanka, like like my Vicky Cole, you probably won't. Anyway, folks, it's that time and then we'll come back and it will be a little bit of the yokels.
0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
5: Hello, dumpty dum. It's Yoko Bear here calling with the social media roundup for the week. We started the week on a serious note, which was about the conversation that Eddie had with Brian in the pub about Will. Mm. We asked the question about would, would this, you know, would losing his job actually put will in more harm it seems to be the only thing that he's got going for him at the moment the one stable thing in his life Shelley crockett was really insightful when she said it seems to me that the script writers could be trying to compare different aspects of mental health provision elizabeth with her her reasonably well-informed and supportive family access to money and no access to guns as opposed Uh to uh, william with his prehistoric attitudes and a gun and his family don't seem to be that well informed about accessing help We did have the scene where Elizabeth trying to offer Will some help um, not that long ago. Will anything come of that? Do you know what, Shelley? I think you're right, actually, because it's, it's kind of this class thing again, isn't it, about the Grundys versus the rich people. Um, you know, they're really struggling to access kind of mental health stuff, whereas obviously Elizabeth immediately could go and pay for a private therapist and everything like that. Um, so maybe there is something. That's Maybe this comparison is what this is about. Sue England said that... Um, Poor Eddie isn't thinking straight. He's traumatised, but trying to be the strong father figure at the same time and making bad decisions, such as confiding in someone so close to William's employer, who is clearly conflicted. I don't think Eddie was calculating in telling Brian. No, I think you're right there. I think it just kind Mm. of slipped out. Mm. And as Gillian Corrigan said, it was one of those in-the-moment moments. Gillian thinks that Brian inadvertently touched the trigger point and Eddie just let go. Janet Mitchell said, "This is the most stupidest thing Eddie could have done. Was it calculated? That is the question. I don't like where this is going. More doom and gloom for the Grundys. Script editors, writers. Yeah, I, I really hope it doesn't go down the road where there's a huge crisis point for William. And don't get me wrong, can't stand William. I think he's a total dick. But it does seem as though the Grundys have had their fair share of just misery." And I think I've said it before, and I think loads of people said it on Twitter. Scriptwriters, enough. Give the grunders a bit of joy. But on a lighter note, um, we asked this week, hands up who wants Kate to lose the vegan cookery contest and then throw a <laughs> massive flounce. Um, well, a lot of people did. Um, Jean Bell said, much to my same shame, both hands in the air, just so pleased her mother didn't fall for her plan. Poor Taylor's got a bit more faith in Kate though, said, I think this is where Kate finally surprises us all. Yeah, Kate's always surprising us, surprising us about how more Kate she can get. Jimmy Weinsman makes a prediction though. He said, Krusty's got a name all over this one, and Kate will go mad because she's not a real vegan or something, and hopefully, something else more interesting will all be going on in the same episode. <laughs> What can be more interesting, Jimmy, than a a vegan baking contest? Oh, yeah, probably everything. But there you go. Now, this led to some talk about, I think, the moment of the week, which was, well, I can take my hearing (laughs) aids out there. The conversation between Peggy and uh, Kate about, well, how can I put this? Um, About Kate being... A bit of a screamer. Patricia Sharp said she laughed out loud. Brilliant stuff. Um, I was losing faith after the Grey Gables ghost nonsense, but now I'm a true believer again. I don't know, Patricia. I'm still holding out for the ghost at Grey Gables. We also talked about the significance of Hugh leaving. Hugh leaving his job, and as we found out later, taking up the job covering for Ian. Stephen Bowden made a suggestion, said perhaps you could be replaced by a string of celebrity guest cooks. Stephen Fry, um, Alexandra Armstrong, Mel from Mel and Sue um, Alexi Sale, (laughs) Annika Rice, Christopher Eccleston Andrew Lloyd Webber, Princess Michael of Kent, The Crankies, Joey from Towie, (laughs) Sir Geoffrey Boycott, Malcolm Gladwell, the Bishop (laughs) of Gloucester, that kind of thing. Can we just pause here, um, Stephen? That's a real insight into your thinking there, that list. (laughs) Um, Random, but I can see some connections somewhere. Well, the Mystic Meg, um, Crystal Ball, uh, post of the week, went to Fiona Crawford, who, before Lily dropped her news, said, this all sounded like the beginning of an excuse not to return to Manchester, uh, was emerging from Lily's lips. But Lily stopped her. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, this whole Hugh thing, the, just, yeah, I think it's all leading up, as we found out, to Lily not going back, but more on that later. Now, who's going to get the job? Our own Robert Wilson, naked finger, says Emma Grundy. She's been working at the Bridge Street Cafe for some time now. But a few other people had one more question. Ruth Tesla said, who the F is Hugh? And Bob Danielson said, I don't even remember who he is or what he does, but yes, someone's getting a job. (laughs) Yeah, because the Umbridge job fairy will do it for you. Martin Van der Heuvel um, said of this post on Facebook, a silent character getting top billing on a dumpty-dum thread, that's uncanny. Yes, Martin, we live in strange times. Jed Robinson thought that William should get the job. He said, William, after all, he can no longer be trusted with guns. Oh knives! I forgot about the knives. Forget that. Forget that then. <laughs> but I'm going to end this week's social media roundup with the speculation that has been rife on Twitter. Is there a romance budding between Tracy and Oliver? Because it certainly seems like it. They seem. Was that a date they went? What? What? Joanna Powell thinks it's a possibility. Um, She said, no, I thought this last week. I thought they could be a convincing couple. They could be Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones of Ambridge. Mm -hmm. What happened to them two, actually? Anyway, um, Oliver will find Tracy refreshing, which is an old posh man's code word for sexy. Johnny Mitchell said, (laughs) I predict no romance, but Tracy could bring a lot of fun Oliver's way. Yeah, and I think that's part of what's going on. It's like after... Because he's been grieving, hasn't he, for so long? And I think this will be the thing that will kind of kickstart the next bit of his life. I think Tracy's a catalyst here. Let's face it, anything to have more Tracy, because she's a joy. She's an absolute joy. Glimful Love said, I don't think Tracy would regard Oliver as a good catch. And I think, yeah, actually, the more I think about it, he's not really what she goes for. But then again. She did try and go for Roy once, so... Yeah. Franklin Habit suggested that maybe it should be more friends with benefits. Or as as Franklin put it, they don't necessarily have to be a couple. They could just boisterously knock boots in the linen storage every so often. (laughs) A little pep to perk up the workday. Whereas Hazel Johnson said um, to me on Facebook um, when I posted this of, Now you're just being silly. (laughs) yeah and you're probably right what would you expect from me anyway that's the social media roundup for the week and I will be speaking to you again in two weeks time next week you have the lovely Millie Bell okay then bye
1: Bye. Uh, Lucy uh, uh, we've really not done our job well this week right because because we only had like two calls I've come festooned with notes like we haven't talked about that scene, which I thought was just utterly wonderful about Kate, you know, with Kate and Peggy and Kate trying to explain the reason why, um, you know, she kind of needs. Yeah, ne- well, I thought that was fucking ridiculous. Oh, but it was funny. It was ridiculous. I, I did not think it was even funny. Oh, come on. Really? No all right then it's got to so, be
4: based in she just as if she wouldn't she just wouldn't even talk about you don't you would talk about that to your grandmother for crying out loud i
1: i, I did think oh you know what a, a liberal and uh <laughs> yeah we open, all know how, uh, how, uh, how uh,
4: liberal piggy <laughs> is for crying out loud
1: but okay right so i enjoyed that scene i thought it was quite funny but i just love kate i just she's just Great comic timing and the way her voice just changed with the various inflections and stuff. I just think yeah. she's just wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um sorry, right, so you don't want to talk about that. Um She was
4: breathtakingly rude to Ruth, wasn't she?
1: Oh, that that was yeah, absolutely. And it was nice to see Pip going, Hold on, hold on a minute. Yeah, just like to pull it to one side. That's kind of
4: rebalanced yeah. it a bit, hasn't it, now?
2: Mm-hmm
1: absolutely i like the way we're just going through these at a clip so, so people go we did, actually did have some archers analysis on, no, <laughs> on this, um, not just you know about opera and everyone having a go at you <laughs> well true true um i must admit i thought ed sorry eddie that was too and fast Brian, what well, was too fast it was too fast eddie and brian
4: eddie just went straight into it too quickly but i think
1: I, whilst I have a certain amount of sympathy from that, he's at his wits end, isn't he? That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. If he turns around and says, I need to save my son from himself, he's at his wits end. Yeah. Um, Whether he would have said this to Brian, as opposed to, let's say, Neil, because he's closer to Neil, you know. But I think it was just... I would would more... Because of... He just needed to
4: vent it to somebody and Brian happened to be there. Mm. Yeah, that was it. Um, but
1: I but yeah, but I, but I think it's, but it's an, a, the whole scene, you know, the
4: pacing of the scene was too fast, I think.
1: I you, you with your technical analysis. All right, then. <laughs> uh, so we've done that. We're going to cross off my notes. Oh, Linda, <laughs> Linda and the cricket. Right. I think this is very true to form for Linda because it isn't Linda's whole yeah, thing. Absolutely. That, yeah. When she yeah. decides that she's into something, she's an expert, and within two yeah. two, she's telling more about she's,
4: it. That's that's where there's a there's a direct link. You can see through. Sorry, I know you don't. You're not interested in this, but there's a direct follow from Linda to Lucia in the mm-hmm. Tilling books. In that Lucia develops a mild interest in something, and then has to become the best person at it. Mm-hmm. In any, you know, so she has she she finds out about yoga accidentally and then becomes a guru within like a fortnight and uh it's that's linda all over
1: i i think it, it made sense for the character linda yeah. to to be like this and and actually i tell you i tell you who's actually into cricket the actor who plays uh, arshula uh according to her hubby really yeah she's big into cricket Massive, ah. massive, massive, massive. Uh, Do you know what else hit.
4: was completely true to form? I thought this week, I nearly applauded when Kate said that Gwyneth Paltrow was her idol.
1: <laughs> I just thought,
4: yep, absolutely spot bloody on. Yeah, mm.
1: I, I think I've done my notes. I think we've given people. um It was a
4: Kerry a- week this week, and I, I think one of the things I like about Kerry weeks
1: mm.
4: is that very little happens that is out of character it's he knows them so well
1: you just said peggy and kate's interaction was out of character you've just said yeah, that you that was the only bit, bit whole... that struck her
4: <laughs> that <laughs> was the only bit that struck a clang for me mm.
1: uh
4: was kate having that conversation with peggy but everything else what kept the um uh but, You know Eddie needing to talk to somebody, uh, Kate talking about Gwyneth Paltrow, Linda becoming an umpire, and all that. That's Mm -hmm. you know absolutely spot on.
1: It was definitely a week without um, an overriding storyline because you look at the amount of actors that were in it. You know, amount of characters. Sorry, characters, not actors. And um, it was kind of all over the shop. You know, there, there were a lot. You know, you had. You, you, you know, you had Grundy's, you had um, Oliver. Oh, and I'd say the other, the other last thing I'd say as well, considering that when I first kind of came into the Archers, uh, Grey Gables and Jean Paul was the thing with him losing it in the kitchen all the time. Yeah, it, I always love the kitchen scenes, and I, and I'm not saying that really? they're necessarily. I'm just about to qualify it, and I'm not necessarily saying that they are well executed or not. It's pure nostalgia because of Jean-Paul and Nelson. And I know Nelson was never in the kitchen, but you know the, the, you had these weird characters and Jean-Paul was always, um, he was a silent, wasn't he, Jean-Paul? You never actually heard him, but Jean-Paul was always losing no. it in the kitchen and, and being angry and his souffle hadn't risen you know, high enough, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it just reminds me of the 1980s. You did hear him. Yes, you did. No, you did. Yeah. There was another. There were two chefs, and there's one in the 90s, and I don't think you heard the one in the 90s, and I'm trying to remember who that was. There was one before Ian took over. Anyway, oh gosh, it I just reminds me him. of the kitchen. It reminds me of the kitchen. Right. It reminds me of what, the kitchen circa 1985-06 when I first started listening. So that is the reason why I have a certain fondness uh for those scenes anyway right let's start wrapping this up uh chop chop mush okay. uh, let's have some mirror headlines uh,
4: this one was sent to me by the lovely andrew horn woman is forced to bite camel's gen woman forced to bite a camel's genitals to escape after the animal sat on her at the tiger truck stop in louisiana when she ran into its enclosure chasing her deaf dog your phone that, is
1: ringing uh yes, and i'm i'm um sorry, 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 that's a rookie error. I should have put it on mute, you'd think after five years, I would know uh sorry about that that was that was I did actually see that one, and it's very good, yeah, it's very funny, uh, well done, uh, but you didn't even source that one yourself, did you? No, yeah.
4: I don't bother now, people send me them from all over the world <laughs>
1: that's
4: great. <laughs> All right, yeah. uh, uh, tweets.
1: Yes, please.
4: Okay, Sally Ronaldson.
1: Hmm. I
4: wonder what "fuck off," Jennifer, sounds like in Bulgarian. I suspect <laughs> we'll find out this week. <laughs> uh, Esther Pickle. Oh my God, Ian is talking to ten people tops. Why is he screaming like Mussolini on a balcony? Ah, <laughs> uh, Sally Ann Huxtable. Peggy is the greatest natural contraceptive that Anbridge possesses. There you go. That was what you were saying. Uh, Andy Welch. Hmm. Not many soap operas can offer an episode in which the angriest line is, what is going on with the quinoa, Brian? (laughs) And tweet of the week is Nellie Farmer. Vince buying a pony for his seven-year-old. Yeah, right. That pony will be straight down the abattoir and in next week's special (laughs) mints.
1: Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> Ooh, Luke, you know what? <laughs> yeah. You're a great co-host, you are. You are. Thank we you. We can just shoot why? the breeze. No, what do you, I don't know why you are. You just are. Oh. I, I think it's okay. because you have a wide uh, breadth of uh, knowledge. Uh, you're insightful. Uh, you're witty. Do you mean we've
4: filled up an hour with no calls? Exactly. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well done. Well done. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. If you would like to show us your appreciation, why don't you go to dumptydum.com <laughs> and donate or like join Patreon or even. Oh, i tell you what has been wonderful, Luce. We've had a little bit of an uptick, as the Americans would say, a little spike, so to speak, in our in our sales of t shirts. Uh, and I think this can only be because people are taking us at our word that they're going to turn up to Dumpty Dum Live, which is happening on in Birmingham on November the 9th in Dumpty Dum Merch. And there was. As a rather stunning photo, and I'm just going to go on to the Twitters now. So, one of our listeners, I believe her name is Lisa. Well, did you see? Did you see the photo? She was there in her Dum Dum t-shirt, out on the tiles somewhere in the United Kingdom, looking wonderful. Lisa de Brule. Oh, yes, yes,
4: yes, she's coming, isn't she? Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. and she just looked wonderful. So, what we need, folks, is for you to go onto DumDum.com hit the shop tab, get your merch and then send us a picture. We can pimp it all over social media and then uh, turn up in it on Saturday, November the 9th. And of course uh, you can go, you can buy your tickets. They're only 12 quid by going, uh, just Google Dumpty Dumb live and, and you'll go onto the council's uh, the council, it is actually the council, Birmingham town hall, go onto their website and you can purchase your ticket. Or you can go on to dumbtydumb.com and uh, click there. Don't forget, there is also dinner and then drinks uh, with your complimentary scruff Gin g which you've already paid for.
4: Almost <laughs> entirely free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so join the other Dumbdy Dumbers that will be doing that. And um, I did get an email from somebody saying, are there any hotel uh, discounted rates? I haven't done that this year because you know what? If anything took the time and... Uh, was somewhat complicated I was trying to sort out that last year uh but if you try and stay as close to broad street as possible uh, you're going to be close to the action because what you don't want to do is have a skinful jump in any old taxi and en- en- end up some somewhere rum so just be in the center of brum anywhere close to uh broad street try and find uh, a hotel which suits your pocket and you won't go far wrong um so that's that um is there anything in red there loose
4: Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, dumptydum.com, or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave us a message.
1: I just mentioned it a minute ago, uh, but Twitter. And uh, Twitter is very important. That is the very glue, really, other than the podcast, I suppose, and SpeakPipe and uh, Lucy's monologue and uh, my various fluffs. But fundamentally, what flows through the Dumpty Dum veins is a Twitter Because that's where we were birthed, which is somewhat of an apt metaphor to use, considering that we're about to have a new Aldridge released into the world. Uh, But like Twitter, that's where you can find Dumbdy Is is it going to be an Aldridge? Well, a Macy, I presume. What's Ian's surname? I can't remember. Ian. Well, I'm not going to ruin it for everybody, but the BBC
4: have just done a massive spoiler and said what gender the baby is. Mm. Well,
1: because as we've so been recording everybody this, folks, that doesn't listen
4: to the to the thing. Yeah. Up.
1: Well, as we've been recording this, folks, uh, that episode has gone out. Well, no, went out just before, didn't it? I was doing the prep, and it went out. So, yes, the baby has has come. Mm. Uh, what's the surname?
4: I don't know because I can't find that tweet because I'm. Uh, I don't want to look at it because I don't want to right, ruin it.
1: Cool. For myself. Anyway, <laughs> folks, Twitter. That's where we were. <laughs> And Twitter um, is where you can find Yokel Bear, uh, Man in the Helm, as Dumdy dum And, of course, you can find him at Yokel Bear. Um, Lucy is... Lucy V. Freeman. And I can be found quite simply if you type in Royfield. And, of course, folks, the other social media platform is Facebook. And if you are into Facebook why don't you just type in dum-de-dum on that platform and you can join in with Millie Bell, Yokel Bear and Witherspoon as they do their stuff on there. All right then, Lucy. Uh, any parting shots or Parthian shots, as it really should be called?
4: Yes. Where's the hashtag sign on a Apple I've no keyboard? idea.
1: You know what I always have to do? I go to a website where I know there's a hash hashtag oh, I find, and I copy it. Where is it? Because I I don't know.
4: It's shift and the pound sign.
1: Huh. Hokey dokey. Thank you for that. So I've learned something. Is that is I'm that, that it? Are, are we done? Did. Are we ending the show with a winner? Yeah,
4: I'm just sorry, I'm just telling a people. I'm just telling whimper. people I'm just, I'm just telling people mm-hmm. uh, uh, whether or not they were...
1: Uh, Tweet of the week. Uh, Tweet yes. of the week.
4: That's what yeah. I'm doing. Yes. Mm. Right. The baby's a boy. <laughs> Did you hear it?
1: <laughs> I haven't heard the episode. No. I decided to listen to the Guardian football podcast whilst I was doing my prep for Dum-de-Dum. I thought if I listened to that, to, to the Archers, um, it could well confuse my, my already adult. Fifty-year-old brain, so I decided not to mix up my research of last week with what was happening this week.
4: Yeah, so exactly. Listen. Well, that's why I don't I don't listen until the omnibus because otherwise I get um mm-hmm. uh I, I get confused um um uh I get confused uh, uh, I think I'm going to say the wrong thing. I think I'm going to be talking about the wrong episode.
1: Gotcha. I hear you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's me. I'm out. Peace, y'all.
4: <laughs> See, if I said that, I'd just sound ridiculous. No,
1: Lucy, I sounded ridiculous, which is the reason why I said it. There you go.
4: You sounded less ridiculous than I would sound.
1: Oh, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You, the woman with a thousand bloody accents and languages that you can speak and affectations you can just don on whatever, like, come on now.
4: I told um, Tilly that at my dance class, we'd done a dance to... Um, um, old town road and she sent me a gif of a child vomiting
1: <laughs> talking about <It>
4: <laughs> I was like, thanks love Ooh. anyway talking
1: uh, talking about um popular culture vomiting? and and gifts and, oh, and right. stuff All right have you seen yes. uh, this was last year which i've only just seen this week uh have you seen the little the little girl little two-year-old talking into Alexa she wants to play baby shark no oh Lucy if you want your heart melted right so little girl in the kitchen she goes Alexa and it lights up play baby shark like this and Alexa cannot understand this toddler it's playing everything instead and this little two year old is turning back looking at the mum getting more and more angry Alexa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> play baby shrek and then shrek comes on <laughs> Right, and then eventually after i don't know about five or six uh you know shouts out uh to to alexa alexa finally gets it and you just see this little as baby shark drops you just see this little two-year-old just get into her groove with a little grin on her face Aww. it's the most beautiful thing please people type go to youtube type in um alexa and baby shark i tell you that'll just put such a warm glow on you right you won't need to walk wear I'm clothes for the next week yes, I'm doing right. it now. Do, do it now so we can hear the audio because it is lovely okay and of course this little two-year-old then became a, a little media sensation she went on the ellen show and, and whatever but it is so beautiful oh, she's really cute isn't she absolutely turn it up our oh lucy this Hang is on. this
4: is the rock that's the that's her being interviewed on the today show cuz obviously now she's probably got her own show da 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 da. here we go
5: I baby chair baby, baby chair
0: explicit isn't included with prime but is
1: available I with amazon alison play baby chair some. baby, shirt. I baby, baby shirt. sure sure
0: Baby, hold back by Say Anything on Because it's, uh, it's
1: audio, but it's also very visual. Her Alexa. little knee drop when the Baby, music of Baby Shark, Shark. comes in. It's just, it's just so precious.
0: Here's a sample of Baby Shark by Johnny Only on Amazon Music. She's getting cross now. Mm-hmm. Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa! Alexa!
2: Alexa! Alexa!
0: play Baby Shark. Baby Shark by Pink Flum. Starting now on Amazon Music.
1: (laughs) Isn't it just wonderful? What a little precious bundle of loveliness that little girl is but she gets her groove on to baby shark I tell you Oh. Oh. utterly adorable and lovely alright folks, well, well that's it that's been another rip-roaring barnstorming end of the Pia show that is Dumpty Dum I will see you all again in approximately seven days time for more Archer's analysis and social economic comment with more despair about the politics of the United Kingdom there you go are we saying goodbye now yeah alright <laughs> goodbye
4: goodbye
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>